Do you have a favorite Montana fish? Many of us do. Montana is home to about 90 native and non-native species. Come along on today's podcast to learn more about some of the favorites. Hi, and welcome to the FVCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We are coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is the award-winning Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Now today we have fisheries biologist Wade Fredenberg on the show. I really appreciate him coming on. Wade retired after serving in a number of fisheries positions across Montana. Wade, thanks a lot for coming on. Well, my pleasure, John. It's, it's exciting to be back at FVCC where I started. That's right. We're going to go into your bio a little bit. So you got your degree, your associate degree, at FVCC here in the 70s then. That's right, in 76. And then where'd you go from there? Take us through it. Well, I, I guess I was one of those fortunate ones that had my life mapped out for me, but I, I wanted to do two years at FVCC and then move on to Montana State. So completed my bachelor's there and in 1980 got my master's there as well. And I remember we were talking on the way over, uh, I remember you walking into the quote fish lab where I was a grad student and that must have been in 78, 79, something like 77, I don't know. And uh, that's my first memory of, of meeting you. So we've known each other a while, for over 40 years. And yes, sir. You're, you know, you've, you've stayed in the fisheries field the entire time. And tell us a little bit about some of the jobs you've had. Well, I was lucky. I got the uh, first opportunity to go over and live in Billings for six years and work on the Bighorn River. And that was in the day that the river had just recently reopened after being closed for many years. So it was like virgin water in terms of biology. So did that for a number of years and ended up moving back over to Bozeman and worked on the Madison and Gallatin, and then eventually jumped ship and uh, went to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Came back to Kalispell, where I was born, and spent the last 25 years working primarily as a bull trout expert. And then you've worked in Glacier Park quite a bit too, right? Yeah. While I was with the Fish and Wildlife Service, I wanted to steal some field time, and, and Glacier Park was uh, wide open for that type of opportunity. So. And we'll talk more about bull trout. You and I have shared some work together on bull trout. But there's 90 species of fish in Montana, including native and introduced. Do you know how many of them are native? I was looking for that number and I couldn't find it. Uh, 54 sticks in my head. Okay, that sounds about right. So 54 native and the, uh, the remainder are non-native. And today we're going to have fun today because we're going to review our favorite fish, your three favorites and my three favorites. So let's start off with your number one, which is the big mouth buffalo. Tell us about it. Well, big mouth buffalo, if I were to ask folks in Montana, what's the fourth largest fish in Montana. I don't think very many of them would come up with big mouth <laughs> buffalo. But after the sturgeon and the paddlefish, it actually is the largest species. Hmm. The big mouth buffalo was uh, first found in the mid-1800s, and it was actually a uh, named in the mid-1800s by a professor who, believe it or not, was at Transylvania University in <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, but they had been a food fish for many years, and in states like Louisiana, there was a huge commercial industry on capturing buffalo and selling them. A lot of them went to Chicago for the Jewish community mm. and to uh, other places like that. 
And I can tell you right now that probably most of the people that are listening to this never heard of a big mountain buffalo. So this is fascinating. Yeah, they're found throughout the Missouri River drainage. I handled a few of them back in the days when I worked on the Bighorn, so they're in the Yellowstone as well. Yeah. And, and they're just fascinating fish. I mean, when you look at them, they're like a giant football. They're, right. just, they're just solid, and they're, they're almost like a torpedo in yeah. shape. And the one thing that I always keyed in on, and this is going to sound weird to some people, but they had these beautiful big brown eyes. <laughs> I think you've been a fish biologist too. Long. I think so, but uh, they're almost like chocolate drops on the on the side of their head, and yep. I just I just found them fascinating. I remember when we were electrofishing the Missouri and the Marias, we ran into some big mouth buffalo, and they, like you said, they do look just like a football. They're very neat fish. Now, do people is there much recreational fishing for big mouth buffalo though? My understanding is not much. Uh, I ran into a guy who John actually knows named uh, Bill Schneider that mm-hmm. fishes over there a lot, and he told me that he caught one in Fort Peck one time, and then everybody started calling him Buffalo Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard him called that, but I didn't know what the, the real Well, that's the derivation of it. I'll but, be darned. But I've seen at times when I was fishing at Fort Peck, and the, wa- the surface is really calm. You can see them out there almost basking. I, Almost like what you see pictures of manatees doing. I'll be darned. And they're just kind of laying in the surface film. But they, they eat plankton. They don't eat bigger things, occasional insect That's larvae. That's amazing that they don't eat anything bigger. Now, you know, Colin and I did a one on, on the sucker family in Montana. And it is a, it's actually in the sucker family, right? Yes, yes. So that's pretty interesting. You well, know, they, they get extremely large. The world record is 77 pounds. Wow. So that's like the size of a third grader, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't want to get buffaloed by that one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But uh, sadly, what I, what I learned in doing a little bit of research is that they're easy to target with uh, bow fishing. So that's where mm. most of the record mm-hmm. fish are caught. But people don't discriminate a, a buffalo or a carp. They're right. shooting carp. They're shooting buffalo. And so... Right. A lot of it sort of becomes wanton waste, and it's it's sad because they are edible. I guess they're fairly bony like m- many of those types of species. Right. But they, they live to tremendous lifespans. Hmm. Well, you got one or more two facts about buffalo, and then we'll move on. You know, other than save the buffalo would be my <laughs> mantra. But the most fascinating thing was they recently did a study, and they, they radiocarbon dated using those techniques and found buffalo up to 127 years old in wow. Minnesota. Wow. And in some of the systems over there where they had dams, those fish haven't reproduced in 80 years. Oh, so my gosh. They really are a fascinating fish. That's and crazy. And one that should be of interest to folks if they ever get into the Missouri drainage. Yeah. Well, my uh, number one favorite fish that I have listed is the West Slope cutthroat. Both of us have a lot of experience with that. And in a couple of different scientific papers and, and in my latest book, I talk about my lifelong, well, not career long, but 14-year dance with cutthroat in the headwaters of the South Fork. And I just wanted to mention that it's so spiritually fulfilling to hold a cutthroat trout. So in 1988, I tagged that cutthroat trout, the number tag. In 1990, so I was going in every year. In 1990, I caught that trout again. So I knew at that point that it was probably eight years old because I had the number tag. And then in 1994, I caught the same trout again. So it was just so fascinating to hold the same trout in my hand over that long of a period. And it's probably the oldest stream-dwelling cutthroat, at least in the United States, that we know of at this point. But a guy we both know, he called my study excessive monitoring. Because <laughs> I went in there 14 times in a row, well, 12 in a row. And then, and, but I would never have known. I've never gotten that. And many others. One, one large trout I caught in 1991, 92, and 93. I mean, it, it's just 
the fact that you would even do it is crazy. And well, then, you almost did it. I mean, you had such a passion for it. You almost did it for fun as much right. as anything. That's what that little study was. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Lewis and Clark, of course, discovered the, well, Lewis dis first described the cutthroat trout at the Falls of the Missouri when Goodrich caught him, uh, several of them. But he didn't get, he just didn't get a credit for, for the description. It was another scientist. You know, do you know why he didn't get credit? No, I don't. He didn't get credit for that and a lot of things because he never wrote up his, his he had the world's worst case of writer's block, remember? Oh, he got back yeah, from the expedition, yeah. never wrote up and never wrote up any of the scientific yeah. information. It was later, and other people got credit for all of his discoveries. Had had no idea, undoubtedly, that what he was doing was that significant. Yeah, and it's incredible. Hundreds of fish, birds, and mammals right. first described, and none of, he got credit for none of it. A lot, a lot of confusion with people over West Slope Cutthroat. Of course, yeah. they, they're, they're native throughout the West Slope, but right. there's also East Slope West That's Slope. Right. So the headwaters of the Missouri used to contain West Slope as well, and there's a there's a handful of populations hanging on over there. Well, but, the Upper Sun River, south right? North, south Fork of the Sun. But, well, that's so that's number one for me. So, what's your second favorite fish, Wade? Well, I couldn't probably let the opportunity pass to talk about bull trout a little bit. When I was growing up, that was probably one of the fish that inspired me the most to want to be a fish biologist because they were so big and yeah. so impressive and. Growing up, I remember my great uncle going out early in the morning trying to plug for bull trout out in the Flathead River. So as time went by and, and things worked out the way they did, bull trout ended up being petitioned in the early 90s for listing as a threatened species. So I ended up doing through the late 90s and up until I retired five years ago, I did a lot of work with bull trout, was kind of the de facto bull trout coordinator. So I learned a lot of, of interesting things about bull trout. They're, they're really an interesting fish. I remember you were looking up a lot of historical facts and pictures and so on of people catching large bull trout in the past. And you and I actually went on a couple of bull trout red counts together and I think an electrofishing, we did an electrofishing spot up in uh, Granite Creek also. So we both have spent a lot of time on bull trout. We could probably talk forever, but we better keep moving or it's only going to be two favorite fish. Do you All have right. one more thing to throw in about bulls? Probably just... The size of the fish, the state record from Montana is 25.6 pounds, and that was caught way back in 1916. But I think in recent times, there's some fish that rival that out of Lake Ponderay in Idaho, where this world record came, which is 32 pounds. Well, I would encourage you to keep working on bull trout and all, the, all that stuff you were pulling together, I think it would be, make a good book. So I'm going to go with you on your third most favorite fish here. Well, there's actually a, a fish that nobody knows much about, which is a little hybrid dace. I was lucky enough to capture some of them in the Muscleshell River. They also are in the rest of the Missouri drainage. The, the fascinating thing about these hybrid dace is that they're all females, and the hybrid dace female breeds with the northern red-bellied dace, but because of the way they evolved, none of the genetic material gets passed on, so all of the fish are clones of their mother. These fish had this figured out, you know, 10,000 years ago. So it's a fascinating thing. And uh, unless you really are, you're not going to catch one on hook and line. So unless you're out there with a net and you find something that looks strange and might be a young, a small dace out of the Muscle Shell or the Missouri River. And how large are they? Oh, three inches is what I understand. The ones that I captured were in that size range. That's just fascinating. Now, I know that you've, your lifelong love of fish. You take your kids ice fishing and fishing, gone with you a few times. And I just really appreciate all your work you've done, Wade. We're running out of time. We could go forever on this subject. And so thanks a lot for coming on, Wade. Yeah, it's my pleasure, John. I appreciate it. That's all the time we have for this episode of the FVCC Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time.